0: I can make it through a Degrassi viewing podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie.
1: I'm your sleepy neophyte, Frank.
0: And today, we're taking a look at Degrassi, The Next Generation, Season 5, Episode 9, Tell It to My Heart. Before we begin this episode, quick content warnings. We are going to be talking about bullying. We're going to be talking about slurs, specifically homophobic ones. We're going to be talking about sexual harassment, uh, gay bashing, as well as some photos that were taken without clear consent both relating to Manny and now relating to Emma and Peter. (sighs) Yep. Good news, good news, though, is that we actually have a very special guest. This person is someone who writes for Rogue's Portal and is also just a very good fandom pal of mine who has done some really loving beta reading for some of my fanfics. Uh, Please give a warm welcome. (laughs) Please give a warm welcome to Z. Woo! Hi, Z!
2: Hello! Hi there, y'all. How are you doing tonight?
0: <laughs> doing well! Um, so, we, it's been a while since we've had a new guest, so I don't usually get to ask this question very often, but before we get too far into the episode, what is your re- relationship with Degrassi?
2: Complicated? Um, so, when I was growing up, um, I am a veteran of sorts, I guess, uh, to get that out of the way. But uh, when I was growing up, I mean, I remember watching it on uh, Noggin slash Team slash The End slash, uh, I don't know, wherever it got moved eventually. I think I just down- started downloading on iTunes maybe, uh, which was a trip. But um, it was really, I think, like kind of a fun- fundamental thing that I grew up with and that um, really helped me sort of looking back, you know, maybe not as helpful as it could have been, but um, really helped me come to terms with uh, being a queer teenager, um, especially uh, in a small um, and, and I mean, I think it was really important for, for me, at least, to see uh, queer representation, especially, like, younger queer representation. Um, and I mean, I'll be honest, like, uh, for a while, I and, and like this, I'm rewatching right now, but for a while, I was pretty much like, oh, I care about Marco and this other character that comes later, and I will watch when they are on, and otherwise I'm, you know, kind of paying attention. Um, but rewatching watching uh, season one, I'm finding out that I actually care deeply about every character, and I just forgot about it.
0: That's real as hell, um, but I need to know who the other character <laughs> is that you were, like, trying to wait on. Oh, oh, no. Uh, it's Riley, who I don't think has... Right. Uh, like, we talked about this via via online spaces. Frank has not had the honor to meet Riley, but I'm very curious how I'm going to feel about him when we watch those episodes.
2: My, my memories of Riley are more recent than my memories of Marco. I think overall my feelings towards Marco are very positive. Uh, and then as I've sort of grown into accepting that like jocks are like, fine, uh, high school me was not a fan of Jock, so I was like, "Oh, gross!" They made the jocks like a gay. Um, then, like, I mean, like on Riley now, I'm like, "Yeah, cool. He's he seems like uh, he doesn't have his shit together whatsoever."
0: But
2: <laughs> it's true. Overall, overall, seems like a great dude. Um, eventually, we'll
0: we'll get we'll get there. But he he's... <laughs> we'll get there, or you'll get there. Yeah, he's a <laughs> he's a trip because I I see. Me watching Riley is gonna be like a post uh Friday Night Lights world for me, so I feel like my feelings toward Riley are going to be a bit more. I bet I am betting that my feelings toward him are going to be incredibly fond, with that fact in mind. But you know, fair enough. That's my. I love a
2: good him. I love a good himbo. Um, and from what I remember, Riley's not the brightest.
0: No. You know, a little little, little, uh, little snippet for Frank to look forward to as, as we move on to some newer characters down the line. But before we get too far in talking about Riley and talking about all that type of stuff, let's focus on this episode. And Z, would you like to introduce our A-plot and our B-plot?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So in the A-plot, uh, Marco is acting as uh, Hamlet as a favor, he says, for uh I almost called him Spike Snake. Um, he it sort of just revolves around his uh, coming out to his father um, and his mentorship of a. Uh, I think this is the first appearance of Jim, right? Yes. Okay, so the the his like mentorship and uh, of a new gay character on the show and how that sort of goes wrong and some really kind of messy politics. He's uh, mm-hmm. of be coming out, uh, and then the. E plot uh, is Emma, and Peter, and they kiss or they flirt, and then Emma mad because Peter calls her a tease, and then she decides to get revenge on him, and then snaps. And honestly, I could not care less, but you know, I'll, I'll stick through it for Emma.
0: <laughs> Are you an Emma sympathizer, Z? Oh wait, you're in season I one. Did. I can't I can't say anything because you're still in season one mode.
1: I am sorry, can we not use the term sympathizer? Because no matter what it sounds, like no matter what you put in front of sympathizer, it sounds like we're the fucking like regime that will like crack <laughs> down on those MO sympathizers.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. I have to remember the We that. must
1: cast the Emma sympathizers <laughs> from the homeland. <laughs> Fuck.
0: No, no, no. Z gets Z gets a lean passes because, I, remember, season one, Emma, is drastically different from season five, Emma.
1: My name is Franklin, I have a list of a hundred Emma sympathizers.
0: Jesus! <laughs> I'm
2: just like, Martin Luther nailing up like reasons to stand Emma on the, the, the Church of this podcast. <laughs>
0: Oh my god The image is this, so good
2: <laughs> This
1: episode is not one of them
0: <laughs> I mean, let's let's kick off with the B-plot Let's let's talk about it and talk about Emma and some of her actions And how I have to think about Peter for another fucking episode The
1: crazy
2: antics
0: so, <laughs> You know, those Wiley's teen hijinks, right? right? Right, right, and like Uh, okay, so, like, we open up in the hallway, um, and she's, like, Emma's, like, staring at, like, a poster, and Peter is just kind of lurking, um, and she does the whole, like, he'll never get with her, and she does, that's when she, like, just keeps saying never, right, like, Never, ever, 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 whatever. It's so much fun.
1: Okay, but before that, she calls him the Leaning Tower of Peter, and honestly, <laughs> I wish this was filmed in front of a live studio audience so everyone can just boo Emma for that.
0: Right?
2: It's, it's... Uh, uh, yeah, I think this is where, like, the, the, the never, ever, ever,
1: ever, ever yeah. Uh,
0: I that's been imprinted on my brain since I was a child, so like I, I felt like I had to say something because I remember watching that and being like Ugh, and now I'm an adult going Ugh. Well, well.
1: <laughs> Um Okay, let me set one thing straight. You're never getting anywhere with me. Never say never. <laughs> but it's fun. Never, 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 never.
0: It's like you know what the thing is, it's like I mean there's a couple things that are working against this whole entire bullshit. Because it's like I was talking to Frank about this because we watched this on Saturday. And like I feel like this whole entire B plot is supposed to imitate the similar emotional arc that is Katie in the plastics in Mean Girls, in the sense that like she starts off as like, oh, this is a vengeance plot. Yeah, this is a vengeance plot. And then slowly she's like, No, I want to be in this group. And it gives a similar energy of like, oh, I hate you. Fuck you. And then it's like, no, actually, I really like you. And it's like that same kind of transition, that murky kind of transition. But in this especially, it's just like, man, I hate Peter.
1: <laughs> I don't care for either of
0: them. No, Emma Emma has slid so far in this goddamn series over the course of five seasons. But... <laughs>
1: Emma is the evil that Taylor Swift dispelled. She's, like, the Majin Buu of, like, <laughs> Taylor
3: Swift. God.
2: Um, and that... I would just like to take a moment, uh, since this is uh, my first encounter with Peter in many years,
0: Oh boy! just
2: mention how awful his hair is.
0: Yes, it's bad. It's just a uniquely two thousands brand of awful. His like whole aesthetic is so uniquely of that era, and like, what the fuck was going
1: on in that era?
0: <laughs> I don't know. There's
1: <laughs> jeans bigger hair spiked.
0: <laughs> it's it was not a good fashion time. <laughs> you feel like you know, it's bad because you'll find like items from it in like thrift stores, and you'll be like. I'm going to pass by that. Like, you know what I mean? Like...
1: I've never seen Jenko jeans in thrift stores.
0: Oh, yeah. You can find anything. I found a Big Bad Wolf from Bush Gardens t-shirt once at a thrift store. Unfortunately, it was not in my size.
1: So, okay, so I just want to throw this out there. Yes. Um, before Donnie and I, like, kind of really knew each other, mm-hmm. Donnie asked me to take them to a, um... A job interview, like upstate, um, which sounds like a mob hit. Um,
0: <laughs> I mean, with me, maybe it was.
1: I forget where we went exactly.
0: Oh, fuck. I forget the town off the top of my head. You also said upstate as if, like, we live in New York. Which is extra funny. <laughs> well, uh, we had
1: to take the turnpike and it comes to, like, going upstate. But, oh, yeah, like, yeah, okay. I'm just, I'm just sitting around bored because the interview took, like, a few hours. And then I was like, oh, there's a. There's a. Um, a Goodwill nearby, so I went to the Goodwill, and, like, I was looking through, and finally I saw this, like, full-length black peacoat, and it, like, it fit me so well, and it was only 20 bucks, and I'm like, did, is this, like, my gift for doing a right thing? <laughs> like, this peacoat being delivered unto me?
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: I Of course, then, like, I got it laundered before I ever wore it, so...
2: Yeah, no, I mean, my instant thought, because I'm, uh, because my parents, it's really weird tangent, I guess, but my parents really didn't want me to shop at Goodwill until I was, like, 17. Um, it was probably just a class thing, I hope, and not, like, a worst thing, but my gut instinct, uh, that I need to override is, oh, someone died in that coat, right? Like, that's why it's there.
0: Oh, my God.
2: Which... I mean, like,
0: surely not, right? I mean, uh, I think you... I mean, I feel like that's always possible, but I feel like the odds of that are not yeah. super... I mean, I don't know what the odds would be, actually. I, really, I feel like it depends.
1: I slept in the bedroom of a person who died till I was 25. I'm fine. Yeah. I only got haunted the one time. Okay. Hmm. Anyway. Okay. you
2: got in one haunting and you're done forever.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, I think we were cool after that. Like.
0: Okay. Yeah, you know, we're squared away with the uh, afterlife on that one. Yeah. For now.
1: That wasn't too bad.
0: No. Um, let's get back to this because we do have to get through this.
1: Um, so. <laughs> just fucking ignore the B-plot. And just...
0: Right. Just like, and Marco. Shoot anyway.
1: the shit. I'm like, okay, so that was the B-plot.
0: Yeah, so about that. Um, so, I, I, in my notes I have, they do weird flirt. Poster adjusting.
1: This is the worst flirtation I I've hate. ever seen. You know
0: what the thing is? It's also, it's, like, one of those things where, I feel like they don't have chemistry. They're just, it's just so, like, just this weird parroting of, like, dialogue that's just, like, almost, like, written by a bot of, like, what rom-coms look like.
1: It, it's because, <laughs> it's because they don't. Like, Peter is written as if he's supposed to be charming when he's coming off as desperate. Yes. And, like, Emma is constantly coming across... and I, I, I've noticed this, like, for a while. hmm Emma knows how pretty she is.
3: hmm
1: Like, and that leads her to, like, kind of act terrible. And, like, she gets her worse when she thinks someone is basically like she wants all the attention for herself and when she that attention is threatened like in this episode or like with Jay at the ravine like it leads her to doing shitty stupid things.
0: Yeah, it's like, I don't like throwing around the term manipulative too much especially because that's such a loaded word and I feel like That people use it in a way that they don't quite understand.
1: I wouldn't even call her manipulative. Like, for her to be manipulative, she would actually be able to, like, put together a plan. Like, I think she just reacts.
0: Interesting.
1: Like, you know, like, oh, Jay said this thing. I'm going to do this thing. And I'm going to do this thing. And it's it still, like, it's still backfired, like, Jay wasn't interested by the end of it, and then, like, she's like, well, fuck. <laughs>
0: hmm mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just very, there's something, there's something about her that is, like, very much, like, <sighs> like, she, I mean, it seems like she's trying to play a game at all times. Yeah. And it's not, it's not, like, in a, you know what, the... I think that's what it is, it's, she's trying to play the game. And she's never really gonna win it. But she's trying really hard and she but she isn't doing it in a way that you as a viewer can really find her sympathetic. It's not like, for example, like Manny sometimes has to play the game, right? Manny is aware of the game. Manny has unfortunately won the game and lost the game in so many different ways over the course of the series. She's still very sympathetic. And she's still like you can still root for her and you can still empathize with her and you can still feel for her, even if she doesn't always do the right thing. You still feel for her in a way, and I feel like with Emma, she's also playing the game and she's winning and losing, but she is not doing it in a way that like you you uh, she just is doing it in a way that is unlikable
1: because Manny is looking for validation, mm-hmm. which I feel like is something all of us are looking for and all right. of us desperately want right. Emma already knows, like, what she is, and she just, like, wants everything.
0: Right. And she also isn't afraid to take down people time and time again. We have seen her take a bunch of people down in the process of trying to achieve her goals. We have seen her go against even her own personal code in the process. And it's not examined as... It's not examined at the level I feel like it could be regarding it either.
1: Yeah, I don't have more to say as so, we get farther into the plot. I'm sorry. Yeah, do you have something, to say? Oh yeah,
2: I was just uh, uh, Donnie when you were describing uh, the characteristics that Emma has. Uh, all I could think of was, uh, is uh, Emma Nelson the uh, Cersei Lannister of Degrassi? <laughs>
3: I
1: mean, Cersei is, like, one of the worst villains I've ever seen on TV, next to her father.
2: right, oh, like, like, no one, nowhere near that, like, level, but, like, plays the game, and is winning, and is, like, not always sympathetic, and I was like, huh, oh, this is, like, I don't even watch that show, and that just sounded really
1: similar. I mean, um, I, I would say that, like, Emma and, uh, and Cersei share that they completely fuck up a whole bunch of times. <laughs>
0: It's just interesting because, to me because it's like, but even with Cersei, she is an antagonist, right? I haven't watched the series in a very, very long time. I, Go ahead, I got through like, like two seasons. But like she, she was pretty confirmed as such. Emma is a particularly confusing case to me because I don't believe in this episode we're supposed to really see her as an antagonistic force. We see her as a protagonist who made an assumption and then that assumption went, like, you know, went against the truth that she discovered. And, like, she learns the lesson, which is be sympathetic to people because they might be going through the same shit you are going through. As opposed to the reality of the situation, which is he's a fucking creep. He has done horrible things to her best friend. And I understand, I guess, to a teenager, he can be considered attractive. But at the end of the day, I I just really don't like the way that the writers are already beginning to try and dismiss what he has done. Yeah. Like what he did was horrible. He filmed someone with while she was intoxicated, and then leaked it around the school. And. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know Z if you remember that the whole part where Manny uh, did the Manny got drunk and then like took off her top and Peter filmed it.
2: I remember now. Yeah. Um, it's one of those uh, things that, like, when I was going uh, on sort of a mini research binge, like, it didn't... Uh, I remembered, I think, like, events surrounding it, and I remembered that she had, like, a kind of a rough time this season.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, every season. Every season.
3: Every yeah, fucking yeah, season. Yeah,
2: fair enough. Um, but I'm also curious, um, I guess, if you feel like any other character that you guys have seen so far, I guess, um, like kind of gets that treatment where like they do really awful, heinous shit. And, and then the writers just kind of pivot and are like, well, that person also is pretty to our tar- target demographic maybe, or something. And, and just like swivel on that character. Cause I mean, I think even like someone who maybe, uh, people watching the show wouldn't like all the time, uh, page, like from the beginning, like, had likable moments. Um, whereas, I kind of hate Peter from this episode. Um, even if, like, at the end, I'm like, oh, maybe I'm marginally sympathetic. I don't know, 1%? See, the,
1: the thing is, I don't know how, how the rest of the world reacted to Paige. This podcast loved Paige from the beginning. <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh, and,
0: but I think also there's a, like, ability factor that Z is speaking to with Paige. Like, even if she is seen as, like, kind of like a, a jerk a lot of the time, she has good moments or supportive moments. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to speak, continue. Sorry.
1: It, it's just, like... I don't know. Like, I'm just... Because, for me, I... Like, we talk about the protagonist. For me, the protagonist of the show is now Manny, and the antagonist is Emma.
3: hmm
1: So, let's... Because, like... Manny keeps fucking up, but doesn't ever truly aim to hurt anyone. hmm Emma will do things that she knows will hurt people. Yeah. And she doesn't care. And that's more, for me, like, what makes an antagonist.
0: I also feel like regarding um, Z's statement of, like, did other characters get, inter- get like, start off in, in a way to Peter and then the writers kind of swiveled on it. I feel like the issue is, is like, so we have characters who have done bad things over the course of the series. They have been, for various reasons. So, for example, we have, like, JT, JT. we have Spinner, we have Craig, you know, these are boys that have done bad things. These are boys who also have not, did not necessarily kick it off in a way that they were entirely horrible. JT, uh, but JT's had a lot of growth. JT's growth has been like a slow climb that I felt better about because I could see his growth and he also didn't start off from the jump doing something as unforgivable to me as Peter did. I think JT had horrible views of women, but we saw but it, it we saw it grow, we saw him get better, and we also saw him not ruin a girl's life in the way that Peter did. Yeah. So, yeah. And and I feel like Spinner and Craig fall under a weird camp for me, and a couple other characters fall under a weird camp for me in the sense that they were introduced in a certain way. They are not that same character anymore. But it's almost really hard as somebody who has watched five seasons of this at this point in, in the point of our podcast to really have a full feeling about them because they have been so many different things so far.
1: Yeah, but I, I do think even with all the different things they've been, like Spinner, JT, and Craig wouldn't do what Peter did.
0: And that is a big thing. Like, you know, they... I think all three of them... The, like what the three of them have done is not quite the same as what Peter has done.
1: I mean yeah because like we have Spinner literally did pull the same kind of like threat on JT Liberty and Toby of find like find the other cans. I'm holding on to this one but like his threat was like cartoonish like bullying violence. Yeah. Peter committed assault.
0: Right. And, like, with Spinner, I mean, we could talk about the the school shooting we talked about extensively last season. That's really complicated to really... But I feel like it doesn't quite... It, it feels weird to kind of stack up against this in the sense of, like, Spinner did not, from the jump, do this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Peter, from the jump, did. And mm-hmm. the other issue is that Peter... And what's pissed me off about these episodes is the idea that Peter, I think, truly doesn't think he is a bad person or capable of doing that anymore, not because he has grown, but because he had his camera taken away.
1: Yeah. And also with the shooting, like, they were, like, I think if you boil it down to exactly what Jay and Spinner's plan was, it was to get Jimmy in trouble. Like, not, I don't th- feel like in a hundred years they meant for that to happen. hmm Like, Jay, I know, doesn't care. But, like, Spinner <laughs> obviously feels remorse about it. hmm Peter, because that, Spinner just wanted Jimmy to get in trouble. Or, like, you know, watched, like, or totally like, kind of ruined that fledgling friendship or whatever. Peter knew. Peter did all that deliberately. Yeah. So, like, there like, Spinner, I'll say, there's kind of a gray area that sometimes pranks just go out of hand. I will not excuse his bullying. That is in a black and white area. But then, like, Peter, what Peter did was just straight wrong. There is no other way to put it.
0: Yeah, like, he was 100% intentional, aware of the consequences of his actions. Yeah. And that, that, to me, always, and even as a kid, I really did not like him when i've rewatched it a couple years back i was like oh man i fucking hate this dude he <laughs> it, it i think it's one of those things where he came off too too much in one way in in a negative way to to truly start winning him back in this way unless he took a lot of accountability within other yeah. plots
1: hang this up for me <laughs> I'll just sniff it hanging that please.
0: <laughs> Frank just tossed his sweater at Dahlia, who is loafing. And she just looked at it, sniffed it, and is going to sniff it some more. <laughs> All right, let's get through the first
1: four minutes of this episode. God damn
0: it. Um, anyway, so next scene, we're in the hallway again. Uh, Peter bumps into Emma, um, and now he's, like, promoting. Like, he does, like, a whole bunch of shit. He's, like, promoting the play that's happening in the A-plot. Um, and then he claims that like his dad sells cars, and I guess he's like the opposite end of Joey in terms of of car sales. Because where Joey has like used cars, apparently his dad sells like luxury cars. And I'm also like DiGrazzi. There's other like rich dad occupations. <laughs>
3: well, we hit.
1: Had, we had, we... Like, and Also, oh, go oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say we had a doctor, and that about that dries up the well of writer inspiration.
0: Lawyer. <laughs>
2: Yeah. yeah i mean lawyer would also like make sense in this case because he's uh like being convincing and persuasive and i mean like selling is like a slightly different thing but at least then you could be like yeah i watched my dad i mean not in court that would be traumatic probably <clears throat> but you know my dad is a very persuasive person there are other ways to get to that goal
0: yeah but even then then they would be doubling up on jimmy's dad as a lawyer i think i believe <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, apparently they, like, they're just, like, not... They're like, fuck it. We got, like, five occupations we can have. Mr.
1: Van Zandt is a lawyer.
0: That's who it is. Jimmy's dad has another job that takes up a lot of hours.
1: (laughs) Jimmy's dad has, like, just important job.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He just has important job with long hours. That's all we know. Um. So, so apparently in terms of occupations, we're kind of running low. Um. And then, so, Manny approaches. Uh, so, Manny enters um, and, so, and you know, points out that Peter is harassing her, which is not wrong. Um, and then she kind of starts spearheading this idea of her and Emma trying to do something about Peter in this whole entire situation.
1: The, th- the thing is, I don't think... I don't think Emma is entirely against it until Manny shows up. Yeah. So I still I'm still on this whole thing of like Emma just wants attention.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that's very true because I I feel like there she it's it's just one of those things where it's like she's into the game that is flirting with Peter, but it feels like the way that it's framed it's more she's into the game of it less that she wants to make someone feel bad because they hurt her friend.
2: Well, and there's, I mean, her line is, uh, I have the transcript open because text, but um, her line is like, not even like, I don't want to talk to you. My best friend hates you. It's, I can't be seen talking to you. Where, yep. Which already just seems like very like perception heavy. And like, I mean, again, I, I also don't like using the word manipulative in this way, but at least at the very least, like very image conscious uh, in a way that is.
0: Calculating. Yes. Yeah, I think calculating is probably a better word. Like, I- I don't actually think she's as reactionary as she could be read as. Like, and I don't know how intentional the writers are in that sense. But I think whether it's accidental or whether it's intentional, she comes off very calculating. Like, she's always kind of planning exactly, like, how things are going to be perceived, how she's going to react, how other people are going to see her react. It feels like she's very aware of the fact that people will do this. I don't know how much she really controls it, so much as she's constantly thinking about it and constantly, like, trying to anticipate what's going to take place. But it comes off very much like what you're saying, Z, like, very image image conscious, like, very much. And in many ways, like, you know, does that happen to kids? Absolutely, but... I feel like it's hard to make that type of character likable unless you allow them to be vulnerable in a different way from how they're writing her.
3: Yeah.
1: So, um, cut to next scene, which is just fucking so much Peter. Um, (laughs) Peter's talking to a different girl. Um. Uh... I'm going to just also throw out just his just utterly stellar description of this party. The the band's going to be really good. They're going to play some hits and some of their own stuff. It's going to be good. The guitarist is so good. My friend's the drummer.
3: God! Just
1: spectacular, spectacular dialogue there. <laughs> hey, Degrassi, do you need a th- I feel... Yes?
2: Oh, I was just going to say, I feel like that, uh is the most teen party ever, though. <laughs> like, sometimes, like, on, 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 like, teen TV shows, it's like, oh, we're gonna have a rager, and th- this seems very, like, yeah, it's probably just bad dialogue, but also I can definitely see uh, someone trying and failing to make their party seem a lot cooler than it is, like, oh, yeah, we're gonna have, like, a karaoke
1: machine. Like, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Ah oh, fuck! I kind of want to know. End this episode with the song. Let's get this terrible party started by Ninja Sex Party. Um, <laughs> but um, fuck it. So Emma gets immediately jealous. Um, but like, tries to like guilt him. Like, I can't believe you're bailing on the festival. Oh yeah. Um, and he, Peter's just like, I I'm, don't have enough, I have too much drama in my life. Um, and then this is where he calls her a tease, because she blows hot and cold, you flirt and then you shut me down, face it, you're a tease.
0: You know, the last thing this I want like to hear- This sounds like a
1: Katy Perry song.
0: There's that, yes. But also, like, the last thing I want to fucking hear teenage characters say is call each other teases. <laughs> like- legitimately skews me out. I think a lot of this dialogue skis me out. I don't think it really... I found it annoying as a kid and now I'm like an adult. I'm like fucking like 29 years old. I'm like, this is weird. I don't <laughs> like hearing kids saying this to each other. It is unpleasant.
1: <laughs> well, and then Emma just says, well, you're a jerk. And I'm like, phew, scathing. <laughs> the only time I like hearing the word tease is when Judy Greer's character on Archer is screaming at people. <laughs>
0: That's valid. I just, I don't mind it if adults are saying it. I just, there's something very unsettling about having teenage characters. I know I sound like a prude. And I should be clear, I have to deal with 8th graders making out sometimes. And, like, guess what? I fucking hate it. And I tell them to stop. Uh, like, I don't like... Because, like, I feel like also tease has such, like, a premeditated, like, implication that I just don't want to think about teenagers having this type of conversation on my Christian Degrassi server. (laughs) 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 Like, hello. Um,
2: I mean, in fairness, I was about to sound like more of a prude because I was like, I don't even think I like when adults say it. Like, it's just gross. Like, not to, I mean, not to, like, shame or whatever, but, ew.
0: I mean, I think also the thing is, it's like, it's just... I know I sound really hypocritical. I actually think the topic of sexuality in teenagers and teen media to be, like, a really delicate, kind like, a very, I don't want to say interesting because I feel like that has certain implications, but, like, it's a balancing act that I do think is pretty difficult to pull off. And I think that sometimes Degrassi does. I think sometimes Degrassi is able to speak about sexuality in a way that is actually very well done. Um, and in a way that, I think, like, a lot of the early Dylan and Marco stuff especially did it quite well in the sense of, like, they're characters that, you know, yes, they are younger, but they definitely are into each other. And it still felt appropriate for a show that is intended to be targeted toward a wide age range. And I feel like this is, once again, goes into, like, the issue that I had with the rest of this plot with Peter and Emma in the sense of, like, they feel like they are kind of, like, Imitating an adult plotline mm. in a weird way, but like a convoluted, like what people think an adult plotline is like, which you know how Degrassi's very good at that. Um, like it just feels like they are wearing. It's like watching a kid wearing like their parent's shoes. It's not quite fitting. I don't really know why. It looks really weird.
1: <laughs> you know what this it. You know what this is. What it like. It feels like that feeling you get when you're watching Leon the Professional and Natalie Portman is dressed up like Marilyn Monroe doing the, like, happy birthday to you, Mr. President thing. And you're just like, oh, I hate this. I hate this. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, like, <laughs> it's a weird charade.
1: They're tapping into something they don't understand.
0: Yes, yes. And, and it's it's very odd. I don't know if it's the actors don't really know what to do or it's just the plot does not fucking work. But it come it it has like a similar kind of quality to it, where you're just kind of like, this does not look right. This doesn't feel right. I don't like this.
1: Because like if you're if you're a responsible adult, you're responding to you're like, oh no 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 like, you're a child <laughs> like.
0: Right, right. It's 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 just ugh. um, we do go to the next scene. We're in Emma's room and Manny. I guess it's now Emma and Manny's room. And Manny is working on French homework, and this part felt real for your age group, because she is trying to, like, figure out how to say in French that she fucking detests Peter, which I love.
3: Yeah.
0: I love. Like, like she's such a breath of fresh air on this fucking B-plot. Um, <laughs> she's so good. Um, and then they stop doing homework, and Emma starts complaining about Peter... Um, and it looks like a moment of camaraderie about their hatred toward Peter, um, and then they decide to find a way to get back at him, um, and their way of getting back at him is by using the magic of their flip camera phones!
2: (laughs) I fucking lost my shit.
0: (laughs) So good! I just- oh my god. Do you remember- trying to take fucking pictures and, like, everything coming out, like that selfie they took.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it would have been way better if she's like, don't worry, I got this. supposed a Game Boy camera. We're gonna get his dick in two colors. A weird green that I can't actually put a name to and black. <laughs> and, like, it with... the Game
2: Boy printer? Yeah. Like, <laughs> And hold on manny
1: because of a printer that's gonna make everything look like somebody's last known photograph <laughs> and that should have run out and you'll never get a refill because fuck who knew where to buy, buy those refills
3: god i think you a could-
2: surfing pikachu frame <laughs> <laughs> that picture of peter from from a little later but just like you know covered by pikachu <laughs> everywhere.
0: <laughs> this is tickling me in such a specific way.
1: So when I was a uh, senior in high school, I <laughs> I think I mentioned I took a trip to Disneyland to Disney World with my senior class. Mm-hmm. The thing was, I bought a, I brought a camera that used to be a fucking Ninja Turtles camera. Oh good! We just like peeled off the decals. I'm like yeah, just Why? weirdly green. <laughs> Well, the thing was, you couldn't get away from it because, like, every picture you took was embedded with a little, like, ninja turtle in the corner. No! I love that! And now I'm just, I was like, I was ahead of my time. I had, like, fucking filters on before filters were thing.
0: I love that, um, fucking, if you order them, you can get, like, um, similar, like, kind of film for, um fucking oh god what are their like Polaroid equivalent called again um, the ones that everyone has that I can't think of the name of anyway you can get like ones with like love live girls and stuff in them and like other types of yeah like it's really fun um, but I feel like there's something very charming about taking all these photos in Disney World and then there's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle in the corner of every single one <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love that.
1: I, I'm just now imagining it. Like, you're saying A Ninja Trouble in the Corner, I'm just <laughs> thinking of, like, a, like fucking Donatello singing That's Me in the Corner by R.E.M. Excellent.
3: <laughs>
1: that's me in the corner. That's me in the spot. Like, eating all my pizza.
0: <laughs> Jesus. This is what happens when we record at night. We just... It's 1045.
1: Nobody wants to talk about this fucking people. No. Okay,
0: we're gonna keep going, we're gonna keep going. Anyway, they took selfies, um, and then they go to the party, uh, and Emma rolls in a black dress, and uh, she claims to Peter that she's into him, and my soul crumples up, and I pray for death's sweet release, and it doesn't come, because we end up in the bedroom, because Peter and Emma are, like, flying in, making out, which is also not what I want to see, Um, they, like, awkwardly, like, are making out on the bed, and she, like, strips off his clothes, and it's just this very uncomfortable lack of exchange. Um, and then he mentions, oh, yeah, sorry about the room, like, my dad treats it like a storage space, and Emma looks up, and she's immediately activated, because it it is a storage space. It looks like the equivalent of, of if you went away from college to college and you came back for spring break and you've been gone long enough that your parents are starting to convert your room into a glorified closet.
1: Yeah, that's my having my room at home.
0: Like, it happens. It happens. But she makes this connection to her, her situation with her basement room Um, and suddenly now there's a reason to connect with him.
1: Cool story, bro. Still assault.
0: (laughs) Right, right. And that's the thing. It's like, if this was a case of him doing, like, a lower level Degrassi offense. So, like, you know, doing something more along the lines of, like, the, the Craigs, the JTs, the Spinners. More on that tier. This plot would work much better for me. Because it would be, like... He's not, like, what has he actually done to endear himself to me outside the fact that his dad seems to be kind of a dick? <laughs> like, oh, his dad's a mega dick. I forgot about that. He cheated on an intern, with an intern, on his wife, I assume. Oh, gross. Yeah. gross, gross. gross. Right, right, right. So, like, dad is bad, mom's pretty okay, Peter? Question mark? What has he done? Like, that's the thing. It's like, if they gave him a chance to do anything remotely redemptive outside of this moment, I would be more okay with this B-plot. But my issue, and I would be okay with his character, my issue is they do a complete 180 from, here's Peter, he's a fucking asshole who did this horrible thing to Manny, to, oh, no, actually, like, Emma Emma is validated in being somewhat tr- attracted to him in spite of the horrible thing that he did.
1: And she just wants to throw rings at his hair. Maybe so. Uh, I hate Peter. Uh, me too. But uh, I, I fully agree with everything you're saying. Uh, it's just, like, I don't give a shit, like, about Peter's past. Like, it's... I think I have brought this up before. Like, on... The, like, Griffin McElroy, and I believe, like, Griffin McElroy brought this up. Like, he's like... There was this terrible character on The Bachelor who was awful and violent and rude. And he said, well, my mother died when I was young. And Griffin pointed out, like, yeah, so did mine. And you know what? That doesn't give me a right to be an asshole. Right. All of us have had terrible things happen to us. Craig has had terrible things happen to him, and yes, he cheated on Ashley with Manny and with Manny and Ashley. Like, but that's because he's dumb. <laughs> like, yeah.
0: Like. I think this, and I think this goes back to the issue of Peter, where. I feel like they're trying to to enforce this boys will be boys kind of mentality with what he did to Manny. And, like, the boys have done dumb shit. It's true. Yes, teenage boys do dumb shit. Teenagers in general do dumb shit. But I feel like Degrassi went too far by having his bad shit be that.
1: Because they just think, like, that they... Their thing is just, like, this was a one-off thing that happened. Mm. Manny, like, those pictures, in some way or another, will follow Manny for the rest of her life. Right. Like, there's a excellent monologue they have in Assassination Nation, um, where this like, one character, like, has her pictures leaked by her friend, and she's just like, I'm never, I'm gonna be going into job interviews and wondering if the person I talked to has seen those pictures. I can't meet anyone anymore without that fear of, have they seen these pictures of me? Right. And And that, I can't think of anything more anxiety-producing than that. Right,
0: and like, in her case, it's like, she's seen as ridiculous for having these deep-seated issues toward Peter because of the fact that he has done, like, you know, he's he's had a tough life. And it's like, and it's just not fair. Once again, to see Manny be betrayed by men like this—has a man ever been truly?
1: Here's the thing, though. Like, I feel like I'm, in this case, the betrayal is more Emma.
0: That's true. I agree. I agree. It definitely is.
1: Because Emma, like this, like this happening to another woman is horrible. It's heinous. This happening to your best friend. Like, that person is nothing to you anymore. Right. They are, like, more leper than, like, you know, anyone that Jesus, like, healed.
0: (laughs) I mean, I feel like also the issue with this whole entire thing is... I feel like there's two... Two things going on. Within the show, Emma's betrayal is the worst. But in a social... Like, uh, viewing this as a viewer... The fact that they are hand-waving what Peter has done is horrific to me.
3: Yeah.
0: It's like a double thing. Within the series, it's Emma. That is like the big betrayal. From a viewer standpoint, the fact that they... It just doesn't... It, it's, it feels like, to me, that it contradicts what Degrassi is trying to set out to do. In this whole entire thing. But like, you know, women's sexuality has always been the worst thing in Degrassi. And nobody is allowed to be okay in any way, shape, or form if you are a woman in Degrassi.
1: Degrassi is kind of like the Bible in that way.
0: Yeah, sure is. Um, but anyway, so Emma pauses her whole entire scheme. They kiss. She backs away. She snaps a quick pic of him shirtless. Um, and Frank pointed out that this looked like Ashley's room from way back when. Yeah, <laughs> I I wouldn't be surprised. It's the same set. Yeah. Um, but we have been hemming and hawing. We,
1: we watched that show Brick, and we're just like, "That's the White House from uh, from Breaking Bad."
0: Oh, damn. <laughs> um, see, have do you have any thoughts about this? Because I feel like we've been talking a bit.
2: No, um, I mean, um, there's like one part of me that's just like happy to listen because I I feel like I like I was saying earlier, Peter. I forgot just like entirely. I think both as a viewer when I was a kid um and like a teen or whatever um and also up until like two days ago like peter had done this so my i was initially i think when uh i realized like peter was in the side. i mean for example like the other week when i was like oh is that craig did he did craig go blonde like he just blipped from my mind <laughs> um and uh sorry sorry to craig just like as of, as of right now, I would like to formally apologize to Craig Manning. Um, but um, all I remembered of, of Peter um, really was stuff with later characters, like uh, his weird-ass friendship with Riley or, like, uh, I remembered a lot of the Mia stuff for some reason.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: and, like, I mean, he's not, like, I mean, later on, again, notwithstanding this, which is awful and heinous, fuck off, Peter. Like, later on, he's, I mean, fine. Like, he's, if you don't remember that or don't know that, I think he's just kind of there. I can't remember if he has, like, any compelling storyline or something that makes him not a dick. But at the very least, he's, like, I mean, like, milk toast later, right? Um, Again, that's me remembering over six years, seven years ago, um, my, like, just perception of him, but I'm... Like I said, I'm I'm watching from season one, and I'm both excited and like a little horrified to get to see this season uh, properly. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, I just remember floppy hair Peter, not Justin Timberlake Peter. <laughs> Justin Timberlake Peter seems like he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: just, my thing is just like Peter's dad could be fucking Gendo, like Gendo Akari mixed with like Tywin Lannister. I would still be like. It's like, it's not enough. Be meaner to Peter.
0: I mean, I think it also kind of speaks to what happens when. I, I feel like it, it also just speaks to one, people's personalized experience of relationship with trauma and bad families or for people that they know in their lives with bad families. But two, also just like, it, it's a missing link. Like, you can have bad shit happen, like you said earlier, but it just doesn't... So? Like, I hate being like, so. I feel like there's some really good quotes that sometimes float around on this topic where it's like, you can't plan and you can't, like, you know, you can't do anything about... Like, you didn't deserve the bad shit that happened to you, but you still have to take accountability for your actions afterwards. Yeah. And I think that's really all that really sums it up, is these types of plots are going to ultimately not really do very much to teach your viewers and I hate framing it like that because I think we're transitioning more to a soap opera type of thing but when you're serious it's
2: like a hundred percent just the soap opera of plots but right yeah
0: no. precisely but like I feel like it's it's something that if you're also trying to pride yourself on a show that's like trying to bring up hard hitting issues you gotta do a little more to having your, your uh, now sympathetic character that is Peter.
1: The the thing is, it's just like what the lesson constantly seems to be like, women, protect your virtue. Right, Well like, right. And it's just like, how about dudes? Don't be an asshole. Like, you know what this episode teaches me? I can film revenge porn and put it out there, and I'm gonna get to date another pretty girl.
0: Right, and that's the thing. It's like... You could still have it be that Emma did not have Peter all figured out. Like, that's the thing. It's like, I think that people get really caught up in in when we start talking about this type of stuff. People think, like, oh, that means you can never show conflict. Or you can never show a character doing a bad thing. Or you can never, never do, like, X, Y, and Z. And I don't think that's actually true. Especially when we're talking teenagers who, let's face it, make bad decisions. Every hour. Um, And that's okay because they're teenagers and they're learning. You can have these teenage protagonists, you can even have adult protagonists do not great things, it's just when you need them to redeem themselves, they have to be able to take accountability. They have to show a model of some sort for your teen viewers.
1: Like, look at Craig! Craig's the perfect yeah. example! Craig was just like, I fucked up. I you know what? I'm swearing off women this year. Okay, well, I'm dumb, I'm gonna still date women. Right. But, like, <laughs> he, he
0: knew he had fucked up! Right, like, he he he's not perfect, he's far from perfect, but... He can still come off sympathetic. Yeah, you can still cheer for him.
1: Yeah, because the Craig didn't do it, like he his, his Craig's biggest problem was he listened to Spinner. Right, and thought I'll be able to juggle two girls at the same time.
0: Right, like he he uh, he's he's a uh, he's trying his darndest. Yeah, and we love him for it. But man, you know he makes some bonehead mistakes, but. Once again, and, and once again, it's like one of those things where it's like, he struggles, he has a mental illness. That's not why he's dumb, though. And I think that's also important. It's like, he makes dumb, foolish teenage boy decisions. Bipolar d- disorder notwithstanding. <laughs> yes. Like, he's still making these these, these decisions.
1: He, he is regulating his moods, like, you know, with yeah. medication. He's going to therapy. There just needs to be a cure for listening to Spinner.
0: Right, 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 right. Like,
1: and, and he has found it by not listening to Spinner.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: All right, so shall we close the B plot? Yeah. Emma makes Peter her fucking camera phone background.
0: Uh, it's like he's like it's like the backlighting. He's super pale. It's done on those shitty little flip phones. It's such a bad photo. <laughs> and she's just like laying in bed, like looking at it, like, oh wow, what a
2: dreamboat. I'm just like, <laughs> right. I'm like, uh like, I mean it's like it's one step removed from like having a frame picture of your crush and just like lovingly touching it.
0: It and, it like, is. It it is literally like the, the early aughts variation of it. The only way it's,
1: it's the Wolverine meme. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, <My goodness.
1: laughs> but like oh my god, like for her, like it would just be a picture frame that says being terrible to your friends and liking shitty boys.
0: Oh, <laughs> lovingly touching the frame. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Um, but yeah. By
2: way of transition. Yeah. This was a weird as fuck B plot to pair up the A plot. Yeah. And I know that they don't have to like fit as perfect jigsaw pieces, but I, I mean, like I think there's a reason, right? I block this out of three, um like, could quote the Marco plot from this and, like, wasn't only watching that, clearly. I was Uh, the same
0: fucking way with this episode. So I was
2: just like, what is happening? I don't remember this at all. Why is Peter straightening a poster? Is that, like, cute? Anyway, sorry. No, no, Peter.
0: No, no, it's okay. Because it's like, I, I think that this happens in quite a few episodes where it's like, you remember the A plot so distinctly, beat for beat, and then they have the shoddiest fucking B plot. And it's like, why? Why did we even bother?
1: And and when uh, when Marco isn't on the screen during this episode, everybody should be asking, "Where's Marco?"
0: <laughs> right, and like it was like really funny because like we're halfway through the episode, and Frank just kind of looks at me, and he goes, "I feel bad for a bunch of people in this episode, and none of them are on the screen right now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh,
2: that's a that's a
0: fucking mood. Yep, but like. <laughs> So, let's get into this A-plot a little bit. This A-plot, I also remember very distinctly. Much like, pretty much every Marco plot, where it's like... Because I also was deeply, you know, I I love Marco very deeply as a gay baby. Um, and so, this whole entire one, it, it hits close to home. Um, and it's also just,
3: uh,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, heh, ha, 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 ha. But, um, let's get to it. So, Marco is practicing for the school play. Um, he's kind of rehearsing his lines during breakfast. Um, and his dad is doing the usual Italian man act of, like, Why are you acting? This is bullshit and not a job. You're going to inherit my printing business because that is what I expect you to do. Because, obviously, that's what you're going to do. And Marco reveals, which I found to be incredibly sweet, that he wants to study social work.
1: Marco, is this... Cine- I'm sorry? No, it's okay.
2: Uh, I was just gonna say, it is precious, and that I feel like this, this plot, like, low-key undermines it in a way I'm not comfortable with, but we can we can get to that.
0: Yes, absolutely. But
2: I do love, I do love Marco wanting to go into social work. Um, I feel like helping people uh is like very on brand for him uh i agree at least try.
0: yeah 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 i i really like this idea of i feel like there's something very nice about seeing a character who like you know using that caring toward toward helping others in a professional sense and like I don't know, it's just, it's a very nice little fit. But we can definitely deep dive into how it's undermined in the episode, definitely. Um, And then his dad reveals that, like, he has a cousin Lou, because of course he has a fucking cousin Lou. Don't even get me started on this. Um, Who is a social, also a social worker, um, but his dad's pissed off because he's gay. Um, And Marco is so tempted to call his dad out but then quickly pulls it back and i ugh, there's like little beats in marco's plots especially during like there's this during this whole entire thing of being like only out to one parent that really hits close to me personally because i was in a similar boat where my mother knew i was not straight didn't say anything about it but knew i wasn't but also said we will never tell your father about it so watching this play out as a teenager, really fucking fucked with me. Um, But watching Marco... Because Marco's in such a weird place, and I actually like that that Degrassi explored this place, because I don't think it always happens with LGBTQ characters, in the sense of, like, he's not out to everyone, but he's also very sure of his identity, and he has explored that piece of himself, and he's very confident in it. But, when you're interacting with people like your father, who... For your all intents and purposes, can't know this piece of him. You you are in this weird moment constantly where you're at fighting at odds with like who you have become over time and who was always afraid of your of your parents, and it's very nice to see that conflict because it hurts. It hurts like hell as a viewer who has gone through it, but it's nice to see a character going through that conflict.
2: Yeah, I remember having very similar conversations um, with my mother, the first of my, like, three attempts to come out properly uh, when I was in high school. um, Mm. That were, that, uh, maybe it was the second, doesn't matter. Um, But it essentially ended up being, like, okay, fine. Which, not the greatest reaction, but not getting kicked out of the house, right? Mm. Um, But, like, a, we can never tell your father, because, uh, I mean, things were rough in other ways at that point right but I don't think either of us knew how he would react and like while ultimately uh ended up fine I honestly have like a pretty decent relationship with my dad now but I, I mean I know part of the reason I really connected to Marco growing up part of the reason it was really compelling for me and also like a little bit oh gosh uh watching this episode again um even on two times speed which was a trip um but, uh, it just brought back sort of all of that very, like, messy, very complicated feelings because, um, like you were saying, like, I, I was a person who came out when I was, like, in seventh grade, um, to, like, the entire school by way of telling three people who were really gossipy and then mm-hmm. telling them to tell other people because I didn't feel like, uh, like, transmitting that information across the school, mm-hmm. um, also we only had like 70 people in my grade so it really wasn't that up I feel like this seems like a like a mocking plan Um, but no I mean uh, and then throughout high school like very confident uh, in my sexuality very like adamant about yeah like this is a part of me if you don't like that like screw off um, but then uh, I mean coming out very, very, very slowly and carefully to, like, adults in my life um, because every time was just another, okay, I have literally zero idea how this person got, but, like, there were, there were like, a couple people in my life where I was like, nope, not doing that uh, until, like, five years from now, but um, for all of intents and purposes, I was genuinely confused and baffled uh, and just unsure, again, um, of how any particular uh, person in my life would react, especially my dad, who I was just like, okay, there it could go, like, the the way it goes at the end of this plot, which ultimately is kind of what it did, um, or it could go in, like, the I get kicked out on uh, onto the street, and, uh, uh, and this is kind of, like, a tangent, but uh, every piece of, like, 2,000, like, gay... due due to adjacent literature is very much like okay here are two coming about paths it goes kind of okay or you get kicked out live on the streets forever it's Um,
0: true though and
2: like don't like don't get me wrong that is absolutely an experience people have and i don't invalidate that but um it was very scary for me as someone who didn't know another person uh for a while in like real life to not be able to be like oh how did it go for you, like, ha- ha- to have someone to reach out and, um, sort of, like, in this episode, right, like, be a mentor, um, in any way,
0: um, uh, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, uh, that got really, uh,
0: heavy, but. It um, happens, it happens on the show often, <laughs> we, we all reveal our, our deep, dark secrets.
2: <laughs> um, Marco's dad just being like, by the way, oh, what's our son doing? He's talking to himself, <laughs> You know what he's, you know what he's doing,
0: shut up. Yeah, it's just, they don't really know how to write this man out of touch in a way that makes much sense.
1: And also, I feel like his accent changed again.
0: It might have. Well, oh, point of order, uh, I
2: definitely thought growing up, um, and, and I'm sure the show at some point mentions that Marco is Italian, and i like, he is, but I was like, I
0: definitely thought this character was Latino, uh, growing up, so... Thanks to Grassy, I well, guess. Th- th- You're not th- the only person who said that either. Yeah,
1: because I think I've said it before, where I'm just like, "What nationality is his dad?" Because it keeps slipping. I feel like between the two. <laughs>
0: but we definitely had a guest who thought the same thing. I don't remember who, but I do remember someone also saying like they thought maybe Marco was some was I think maybe Latinx. I don't remember, but I remember someone saying like. Not like like a nationality that wasn't just like wasn't just Italian like he like like uh, I'm not sure exactly how, I like two parents came from two different backgrounds or what but I do remember someone else on the show mentioning that. So I'm very intrigued by this now and like how many people may have, had a similar read on the situation because I feel like if two people that have appeared on the show have made this, st- like three people, have made some sort of statement about this, it makes me wonder how he is perceived. I just remember him always mentioning his mom's pasta sauce. So I went, ah, <laughs> we are famiglia. So.
1: <laughs> we're, <fumbledy. laughs>
0: we're fumbly. we <laughs> fumbly. So, I did not overthink it. Well, um, go-
1: uh, Going back to what you were saying, Z, about the way this was Portrayed in media at the time Um I'm a little I think I'm a little bit older Than you guys So I remember the show Um My so called life Mm-hmm. And Like just Like I'm trying to like Kind of like uh Not Not make light of What you know People in that Situation have to go through But I do remember Just watching that show Cause Ricky comes out To his parents And he's thrown out Mm-hmm and then, like Angela is still calling him up to bother him about shit with Jordan Catalano, and I'm just remember even at that time being like, because like, she'd be like, "But, but Jordan," and like Ricky's like, "I have bigger things on my plate right now, Angela, than your stupid, stupid boyfriend <laughs> and your stupid, pointless life." <laughs> okay, not pointless, but like stupid, pointless problems.
0: It's, it's an interesting thing to think about because um, while there are definitely beats to Marco that I found very relatable, it's very hard to find a coming out narrative that actually complements my situation, which was my mother literally ignored it um, and was like, we will not talk about this. And I remember really struggling with a lot of LGBTQ narratives because so much of them go in, in what Z is speaking to, which is like they either kick you out of the house which I guess in many ways eventually happened to me, but I was out of the house when that happened. Or they go in the direction of, like, fumbling. Maybe it takes a little while, but overall they are supportive. And it's very weird to be in a situation where you get apathy. Other people have had it. Like, I've talked to a couple people, and maybe it's just also not the norm. But it is very, like... It's interesting to see how certain certain coming out narratives have either stayed the same in in a lot of media, or they have changed a bit to kind of fit the ideas of what has been going on in in current times. But there are still some gaps in it. Yeah, but that's. My- I feel
2: like that speaks to like a larger, like
0: the ways, and I know you both know this, right? But mm-hmm. like the ways in which like queer people are represented in media
2: having very narrow pathways and very narrow sort of, um, ways, uh, up until, I guess, recently, but, um, just only certain ways, not even with just coming out, right, but, like, uh, every teen book in that era, like, definitely has a gay bashing scene. This episode yep. has a gay bashing. Um, uh, every, a, a decent amount have, like, a family member who had, like, a weird other Gay thing, which again, this episode has, Mm -hmm. Um, and and it's really interesting, like you're saying, seeing how this episode both takes a lot of those like mid two thousands like queer media tropes, and then also like speaks to a different sort of experience than I I think a lot of them were doing at the time. Um, Because like, uh, not to you know show my two cards too much, but like ultimately, I think I feel pretty positive ish. About uh, the direction of this plot, if I there are like clearly very a lot of problems, but um, I still think it's like ultimately lands in a place that felt very real to me, if not very perfect. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of Marco's plots kind of feel that way for me, where it's like, do they have? Do they kind of show their age in certain beats? Yes, but I think also there is this this earnest honest piece of it that i feel like makes it still worthwhile like i would argue a lot of marco episodes are still worth watching and read uh, are still worth watching as a like even if you're still like writing contemporary lgbtq media like it's still worth going into them and seeing how they work not saying you have to do it b for b or do exactly what they're doing but it's still really interesting to kind of see how they do touch upon certain certain plots, and let's be real, this is their second gay bashing, um, because Not their last, <laughs> and like Marco, because Marco <laughs> literally had it happen to him, season three, was it Pride, whatever season Pride was. Um, that happened to him. three, because he, like, wasn't really into that
2: much. From what
0: right, I remember, he was, he was breakdancing.
1: <laughs> he was mentioned.
0: <laughs> he was mentioned. He was in a breakdancing contest. Um, but, but, like... Oh, shit, I forgot about that. Of course, it's easy to forget, because it was only for a second.
1: <laughs> he, he went, for the first two seasons, he's basically Heather Sinclair.
0: Yeah. He, <laughs> God. I and
2: mean, I think, like, I also was downloading these episodes off iTunes because I got sick of trying to like keep up with like the end schedule. Mm-hmm. So I think I just like went to like Marco Del Rossi appearances and then that episode was like maybe on there. So it just, I mean like Pride like was the next one or whatever, but it was like, oh, is he, is he in this episode? Oh, there he is, I guess. <laughs>
0: it's like you have a, have like a, a fucking like, uh, microscope, like here he is. Yes. <laughs> Yes, we have located him.
1: Go, going through the going through the Garcia right. Bros episode because it's a burner tape, right? Up um, and to the left.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: There's his chin stubble.
0: Uh. <laughs> Bless him. I love him so. Um, after the opening, we go to the theater. He's really stressed out because he's learning parts. I mean, for, he's being Hamlet for fuck's sake! Like this is not an easy role. Um, because Craig is like, oh yeah, you know, it's not like you're Hamlet. In the play, Hamlet. Oh, wait, you are. Um, I love their friendship. God, it's so good. It's, like, really good. I I was talking to Frank, and and I've talked about it on the show, where I know that having Craig be bi has a lot of, like, there's a lot of, like, it would be a bit stereotypical to have his character be bi, but the thought of the two of them being, like, LGBTQ pals, like, makes me very happy, so I like to imagine it. I'm 99% sure that I, like, shipped it when I was, uh, younger. I 100% uh, shipped it. I 100% shipped it. I know. I know. Somewhere on those end boards, if we way back machine that shit, I am running my mouth.
1: I, 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 still say, like, there's a, there's a plethora of fan fiction, a cornucopia of fan fiction to be written of Marco kisses Craig to make, um, Dylan jealous, and Craig's like, well, that awakened something in me I didn't expect. Not gonna lie, don't hate it.
0: <laughs> right? That feels like such a logical step! And once again, do I understand that there would be potential issues? Yes. But then my, my response is, if he is a stereotypical, like a potentially like problematic bi archetype, then you make multiple characters bi so that you make it that you have a variety of bi characters so that your only bisexual character is Craig. More
1: hands means less work me um,
0: um, goes into a time machine right. Hey!
2: <laughs> so honestly, like what was a really realistic what would have been a really realistic experience if not? Uh, like in media they probably wouldn't have quote unquote thought it was realistic, but um i I know that like as I got older in high school, like all of my friends' group just started coming out very slowly. yep <laughs> um, and it's like very much a a queer experience to like accidentally magnet to like uh people who uh, who are queer and then be like, like 10 years later be like oh you were like ace and I was gay and blah 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 blah, 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 blah. um so it would have just been funny to me uh knowing uh does
0: Frank know about page stuff no Mhm. okay
2: um knowing things um
1: about things they don't don't make me think my dream's gonna come true
0: <laughs> yeah so you have to remember Frank only knows up to this point
1: Okay, Z, let me just point it this way. I didn't know Drake got shot on this show.
0: Yes, this is why Frank was a perfect This is why Frank was a perfect co host for the show. Like this is how how how, how little he knew. But um we, I'm like,
1: I wonder if we still have those text messages where I'm just like watching see, watching that episode. I'm just like, Holy fuck, Holy fuck, Drake got shot and died like you didn't
3: know. <laughs>
0: yeah. I um I can't imagine
2: uh, what that would be like, just like coming across that in like the episode <laughs> order.
0: It's it's wild watching Frank watch the series. It's like really fun. But um but, people say
1: the same thing about when I watch Victorious.
0: Um, relating to all this, what I would have loved to see, Frank, like, ten years later, the Euchre crew is, like, all LGBTQ. I mean, yeah. Right. (laughs) Ideal. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. That's very realistic. I mean, yes.
1: I was like, Ellie's gonna join some clubs in college. (laughs) She's gonna figure some
0: stuff out. Right? Um... (laughs) But anyway, so they're talking, this is kind of related to this, um, because, and Marco finds himself looking at a cute boy named Tim, who looks like a boy I would have found attractive back then. Just like. Uh,
2: I hated Tim as a child.
0: Really? I... I. don't, don't
2: know why. Well, actually, I do know why. We'll, go. we'll talk
0: about that later. Yes, but he looked aesthetically like a boy I would have thought maybe I was attracted to. Boys were a very complicated topic for, for TH Dottie. Um, jury's still it's really like out. Pete.
2: It's a very, like, Pete Wentz vibe.
0: And you <laughs> um, want to know so what I like liked? <laughs> Pop uh, boy. Yes, I was very into Pop Boy and found Pete and Patrick vaguely attractive, so... Maybe this is really what it all is coming down to. Frank's just staring into the fucking abyss.
1: No, because I'm trying to think of... Because, like... I I think I've mentioned on this show before that my friends, like... Have defined my sexuality as Frank is straight.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Because, like, I'm trying to think of, like, if I thought any dudes back then were hot... Because, like, there's a fair amount of them now I know that I feel like are hot. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, it, I think it was Jamie Bamber from Battlestar Galactica. Especially that, that scene, that sh- that episode, um, Final Cut, where his towel nearly falls off. I'm like, yes, 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 drop that towel. Come on, do it. You're sci-fi. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is, I just like that was also like one of my main things for like a lot of people. Like when the Marvel movies start coming out, like there's way more dude beefcake in those movies than like, like lady cheesecake or whatever the fuck you call it. <laughs> and I was like, good for you, Marvel. Good for you. Yeah. Though apparently, like fucking Chris Hemsworth had to like go three days of no water for Thor.
0: Ooh, I don't like knowing that. Yeah. Oh, I really don't like knowing that. <laughs> when That, that mo- makes you really sad.
1: When that movie came out, like, I tried telling Sissy and her then boyfriend about it. And they're like, we couldn't get a read. We didn't go see it because we couldn't get a read on whether or not you liked it. Because all you did was talk about Chris Hemsworth's pecs and, like, his, like, washboard ads. Like, they're so good.
0: I... <laughs> You're valid. You're valid. You're so valid. Um, meanwhile, Marco is very into Tim. Uh, and he's like, I don't know. No, not really. He's like, really. it's the
1: best replacement album. He's, like,
0: <laughs> he's like, no, no, I don't know. He's like, you know, dark and mysterious. And I'm just like sitting there. I'm like, man, he just wants a golf boyfriend.
1: Everybody just wants a golf partner.
0: You're right. But I find it especially funny because of. Um, like, he did the whole thing where, like, he tried dating Ellie and things like that, and I feel like... I
3: was he... gonna bring that up?
0: <laughs> yeah, but I'd be like, I think it just is... Because, like, the thing about Marco that I actually like about him, which part of me wishes they explored more, the other part of me kind of likes as much as we got, he's into... Now, I don't want to say weird stuff, but he's into darker stuff than his aesthetic lets on. Yeah. Like, he has a genuine connection with Ellie, Connected to like Edward Gorey books and things like that. Like he seems like the kind of kid where if you actually looked at his iPod, there would be an awful lot of The Cure on it than you would probably anticipate looking at him.
1: There's more of my chemical romance than Fall Out Boy. Yeah. He definitely. He definitely, definitely tends to panic, though.
0: Oh, he totally does. That that's that's for certain. Um, Marco defending Pretty Odd during <laughs> during the peak of the album release. Oh, don't! <laughs> you? <know, laughs>
2: i I'm, I'm
0: having flashbacks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Donny, I I don't even think I've truly unlocked the bandom past on on this podcast, and and that is something that should probably just stay dead.
1: Brandon Yuri was going through something.
0: <laughs> Brandon Yuri was going through all of Chuck Politics like
1: books. Um, but not like like. <laughs> saying everybody wants a goth, like, partner just makes me think of that, like, stupid question. Like, oh, which one's you, the man in the relationship? Now it's just, like, couples having the conversation, which one of us is gonna become the goth?
0: Right. (laughs) This is what it's like now in in this era. But, but anyway, like, I kind of like this, this piece of Marco that is into... Things that are just, like, I just feel like, I once again, it's one of those things where, could it have been explored more, perhaps, but I kind of like that we just get little sprinklings of it. We just get little sprinklings. He wants, you know, he wants, I guess, a scene boyfriend is probably more accurate in this in this context. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay.
3: I was trying to hold it in, but
1: then, like, I... Uh, yeah, yeah. Things I know about Mark. Um, I'm, yeah.
2: mm-hmm. Yes?
1: Yes?
3: Thing. I just like uh, You know I don't
1: know It's okay <laughs> no, I, was gonna, I was gonna say <laughs> Things I know about Marco Plays the bass Likes that gory books Plays the accordion Better than he plays the bass <laughs> Is really bad under pressure
0: <laughs> And we love him for it
1: Oh my god They did Okay, so like the red letter media, um, Mr. Plunkett reviews of the prequels. They have that whole stupid, weird kidnapper thing that makes them suck. But they do bring up a good point when you're when you're writing, you should be able to explain a character without ever saying what they do. And I feel like you know, in any other like lesser show marco would just be the gay character but i'm just like i know all these other things about marco that make him like just so much more interesting
0: yeah like he is a he's well a yeah he's a very good example of how you okay. can write a character who is not super bombastic but is still incredibly memorable like he's not a super loud character and in many ways that's what makes him a good character to me, because he's a type of character where he's someone that you you probably know or were friends with in high school, honestly. Or maybe you were him. And I think a lot of people were him, and that's why a lot of people really, really care about him. It's it's good. I don't know.
2: He's
0: good. I he, is. he is, he's very good. He's
1: one of those people. Who... Love... Yes. yes. No, go ahead, please. I was going to say, he's one of those people who, on the last day of high school, like, after graduation, they walk away from you, and you're just kind of like, I'm probably not going to see them again, but I hope they find love.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he is. And if, if you don't know that kid, then you were probably that kid. Um, so, we end up at theater rehearsal again, um, and during this, Tim, unfortunately, um, gets attacked. Um, he's tossed into a locker, he's called the F-slur, um, and Craig looks ready to fucking go, but Marco stops him, which, once again, I really appreciate, I know, like, I don't know, I, I do appreciate that Craig is like, yeah, I'll throw down for this kid I don't really know. This is shitty, I'm going to do something about it. I don't know, I, I mean, I, I know there are reasons, and I don't blame anyone who truly, like, dislikes Craig at this point in the game, but I really, truly... I feel like Craig is one of those characters I'm always going to have a soft spot for, and I just have to accept as a host of this podcast.
1: Yeah. Like, I feel like the fact that he's just like, that sucks, I'm going to fight.
0: Right. Like, I I needed a friend like that in high school, so I like seeing that kid in a show. Yeah. But Marco stops him and jumps in instead... Um, and he, and it kind of breaks up. He doesn't really engage in the fight itself, but instead he he checks in on Tim. Um, and they decide to go to the dot, um, and they chat about coming out. Um, and Tim has had a pretty fucking rough time. Um, came out to a friend. The friend rejected him. Um, Marco is sympathetic and says that he's been there. And, Mar- and Tim is like... <laughs> They have a really dorky little exchange of like, you're my Yoda. And Marco responds in a Yoda voice. He's
1: like, no, my baby Yoda. I want to carry around and have you annoy me constantly.
0: Um, <laughs> my note says Marco does Yoda impression Frank breaks. Um, but it's, it's nice to see because...
1: Oh, Because he said, memorize lines we must. Angry Simpson will be... <laughs>
0: Right, which by the way, the fact that Simpson is the one who's like spearheading this whole entire thing and Quan is not just seems so cruel to me. Quan, Shakespeare's number one fan at the Grassy, does not even get to direct <laughs> a fucking showcase.
2: I think the most recent season one episode I watched was The Mating Game, which has that oh. fucking Juliet, Romeo and Juliet framing device.
0: Yes! <laughs> it's just. It it cracks me up, because I understand why. I understand it's public domain, but in my head, I'm like, shit, there's other things that are public domain that aren't Shakespeare, right? Right? Like, (laughs) surely there's something. But, no, it's sonnets. (laughs) It's a fucking play. I'm like, okay, I guess so. I guess here we are, forever. We're always doing Shakespeare. for Until the end of time. Um, But, it's nice. And I think, Z, you spoke to this. Like, the idea of having a mentor who is, who is within the same marginalized community. It's something that we don't really get to see in TV a lot of the time because we are only beginning to see multiple LGBTQ characters in a series consistently at this point. Um, but it's, a, I think, a piece that is missing in a lot of LGBTQ media... And missing in a lot of media in general is that that mentorship piece and how a mentor, especially in LGBTQ world, where experience does not is not really dictated by how many years you've been on this planet. Um, it's 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 a very underrated dynamic in in a lot of media because and, I mean it's just it's nice to see it's nice to see a character be like, hey, I've been. In a similar spot to you, I have been through this type of shit, and I'm showing, I'm telling you right now, like I got out, I was able to get out of it, and I'm going to support you through it. And there's something very pleasant about that, even if the stuff circumstances suck. Yeah. But we end up in the hall again, um, and Tim reveals the day later that he unfortunately had his laptop on. Oh, you okay? No, it's okay. I just dropped. Uh, i I have the, the script open on my phone. And I just dropped my phone on the desk. It's no. It's okay. We've all done it. Classic um, well,
1: beginner's mistake. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> Tim is really really upset because he opened. He had his laptop open. I know Dolly is trying to jump into my lap. Um, and his dad saw that he was in a gay teen chat. Um, and Tim just kind of left home that evening and fucking didn't come back all day, all night. Just went to school the next day. And Marco said that he has to go home and he has to confront his dad. Um, And Tim is apprehensive, but he feels empowered after having the conversation. And this sets off a very dicey type of situation, which I feel like is the weaker piece of Marco's storytelling, and I feel like becomes a weaker piece in a lot of LGBTQ storytelling, which is the politics of coming out.
2: It, yeah, this is where the episode starts to get on my nerves. Is maybe not the right the right choice of words, right? But um,
3: loses <laughs> it's, its way.
2: It starts hitting a little too close to home. Uh, don't know that I fully appreciate.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's ugh. So the next scene, we're at Marco's house. Like they're having dinner, and Tim comes in. And he just kind of spills through the doorway. Reveals that he got kicked out. Um, and Marco's parents are worried. They're like, who is this guy? What's going on? Um, and Tim just kind of jumps in and is like, oh, I came out to my parents. It didn't really go. I I went, came out to my dad. It didn't really go very well. Um, and Marco's dad does not understand what the term coming out means. Um, and Marco is trying to like escalate the situation. Um, but it's becoming obvious enough that his dad does not Fucking know a fucking thing on this topic is homophobic to make it worse. Um, And Tim realizes that Marco is not as out as he may have came off in their conversations. Which is like a really, I don't know, it's a very complicated topic to me as somebody who did not come out for many 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 years for personal safety and then it didn't end up well in the end anyway. So, like, it's it's a very tough topic, and I, I understand... It's one of those things where you kind of understand both sides, right? You understand why Tim is so upset, because he's gone through this this experience. But you also understand why Marco hasn't come out, nor has not necessarily felt like he needed to. Like, Tim was kind of between a rock and a hard place in many ways. He was caught with the chat. His dad saw the chat. He... he. It's it's kind of hard to... You could probably swerve out of the conversation, but it, it, it may not be the easiest conversation to swerve out of. Because even if you're like, I don't know, I was questioning, that may not quite work when talking to your parents about it. Especially depending on like what their mentality is toward LGBTQ issues. It's just not the yeah. same circumstance. I understand why Tim's upset, but it's not the same circumstance.
2: So I think this goes kind of, uh, I guess I think I have two things to say about this. First, is Mm -hmm. that um, this is where I think the episode really uh, pisses me off in the sense of undermining, like, Marco's uh, previously stated, like, uh, passion and, like, what he wants to do with his life uh, earlier in the episode, because he does, I mean, like, the conversation that he has in the hallway with um, Tim, it's like a pretty good one. It's like, yeah. I mean, there, there are going to be like times when you have to like give advice to people and you may not have necessarily had like a one-to-one experience, but like they need to hear things that will make them, I mean, not like it, like to be like, it gets better, but like um, they need to hear at least that things can go in a way that is somewhere in the middle. Um, and that uh, maybe alighting the, the status of, of Marco with his, um, with his own father is, I don't even, I don't think it's deceptive, um, of Marco. And I, I I really think the episode in this particular scene, at least tries to like frame it as such. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially like, uh, we'll get to page in a minute. Cause uh, I love the page, but no. Yeah. Um, but I-, I think this is, it- it's so annoying to me because um, like Marco wants to help, wants to try to like be that like mentorship figure in people's lives. Um, we know he's had like a time of it. Um, and he really does have that experience to pull on and speak on, even if it's not like, again, the specific one-to-one experience. Right. Um, and then the show's like, Oh well, Marco, you're a liar
0: and you're an actor. I'm just like, oh, please. Don't oh yeah, say that. yeah. And then, then the
2: second thing would be, oh, sorry, let's talk about that first.
0: Yeah, no. So like the morning after, um, Marco's mom is like, you know, Tim, if you need, like, are you planning on staying and things like that, and like is being pretty receptive. She she breaks my heart because she she seems so much like that, like. Just, like, I mean, she's she's, she's probably in a miserable marriage to a man who does not care to understand the marginalized group that her son is a member of. That she knows her son is a member of. um, And she's also, like, clearly not in a position, for whatever reason, that she feels comfortable enough to really defy her husband. Yeah. And... But, like, and all she can really do is just give these strained stares and these strained, like, looks of sympathy toward these kids. And and that, I don't know, it really upsets me. But she's just kind of like, you know, like, you can stay, which is kind of code for, I know you're going through this. I understand it fucking sucks. I can give you a roof over your head. I know it's not perfect, but I can give you that. Um, but instead, when Marco's dad enters, they... Tim and Marco have this really pointed conversation about acting and playing the part and how Marco plays the part so convincingly. And I agree with you, Z. I feel like it's getting really caught up in this idea of, like, you must be out to be a legitimate, validated member of the LGBTQ community when the answer is is that coming out is super difficult and it's something that you negotiate literally every day of your life because at the end of the day... There are spaces where it's safer to be out than others. And in the case of especially if you're a teenager, sometimes the most unsafe place you could possibly be out is your own home. And I don't think enough of these, enough of these plots kind of emphasize that because Marco is saying, I want to do social work. Like, I want to go to college is basically what he's saying. And if his dad doesn't accept him, then who's to say that he won't fucking get money to be able to go to college? Like, his whole entire future can get entirely disrupted, not just in the fact that he doesn't have a roof over his head, like in the present tense, but in a future sense of the word as well. So, like, it's just very... I understand why Tim is upset, and I understand why a teenage kid, like a teenager, would perceive this situation as such. But I also really don't like the fact that, like, Marco feels compelled to come out because of this circumstance.
2: Yeah, that really, I think it puts Marco in just such a a place he, like, at the beginning of the episode, like, was coming close to maybe uh, coming out on his own terms uh, and wanting to sort of just be done with it, maybe, but, like, I mean don't get me wrong. Uh, there have been conversations where I've just spontaneously come out.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, um, but that can be hard. I mean, like, like your parents will say things that you don't agree with or don't, um, that really like hurt you. And you have to just kind of either sit there and take it, like fight against it, but like try to hedge around the fact that you're so passionate about this because, um, you are queer or et cetera, et cetera. Um, And I think, like, I think this is part of why when I was a kid, I dicked him. Um, Because I remember feeling sort of uh, obligated to be out to my parents. Um, I had a panic attack when I was uh, like eighth, ninth grade, something like that. Um, Went to see the guidance counselor, explained the situation and got this, like, the same feedback that, that Paige page is about to give, mm-hmm. which is, you know, what you got to do, right? You got to come out, or else, like, I mean, what's the worst that could happen, right? And I'm like, and I think, like, again, I've seen that as a as a kid, uh, just put me in kind of a bad mood with him. Whereas, like, now I'm like, oh no, I mean, like, I totally get why he's like upset in this moment because, like, he thought he thought a lot of things, yeah, and, uh, and maybe. And I don't think it... I think it was just, like, classic miscommunication. Um, Again, I don't think Marco was being deceptive, and I don't think Tim was really in a place to, like, interrogate the question. uh, Mm -hmm. To be like, oh, hey, tell me your entire story right now, because Marco was, like, like, being like, hey, this is how it could go. Um, Yeah, it just fucking sucks. It does. Um, But, again, I think it feels very real... So, like, certain experiences, um, which is why, again, I think I ultimately come out, like, positive on this because, again, it just feels very, like, true, at least to part of my own experience. Um, There was another thing that I had, but um, I think I'm just mad at Paige at this point.
0: No, no, Um, it's it's understandable because it's, like... And I, I see kids in this situation often, even now, where it's like, so like he, Marco and Paige talk about like coming out and stuff. And Marco admits that he screwed up and he's like, Tim hates me. And yeah, she just is kind of like, oh, you got to come out to your dad. And I think a lot of teenagers, especially those who don't really understand what someone has to lose, will give that advice very frequently. Um,. I don't think it's uncommon. I don't think it's out of the ordinary. Um, and I think it, it's just one of those really easy pieces of advice you could give someone if you don't fully know the consequence. And honestly, I've been told even by therapists to come out. Like, I had a horrible therapist early college who was like, well, it seems like you're really like distraught about the fact that you're not out to your parents. You should just come out to them. When... If I had done that, it's very likely I would have not been able to afford to stay in college. So, I'm glad I didn't take that advice. But, like, I think it's one of those things where it's, like, it's a very real circumstance. It doesn't quite resonate sometimes, because I think sometimes there is a reason why people don't come out. But also, it's, like, that weird middle ground, where it's, like, I know people who have had this experience, like you said, Z. It's not quite mine, but I also acknowledge that. It's, like, you're kind of doing this weird oscillation. And I think a lot of it also comes to the fact that it's, like, you don't always have your own personal narrative easily accessible in media, so sometimes you get frustrated by ones that are pretty plentiful because they don't <laughs> like that's the thing it's like this plot there's quite a few examples of this. It's kind of, it has tropes at this point. My, you know, my experience doesn't quite have that. So sometimes I get frustrated by these types of plots, but it's purely from that kind of selfish perspective.
2: But I think that's, like, totally, I mean, valid, um, because it, like I was saying earlier, it's really demoralizing is maybe the word I want when, um, you see all these representations of, like, uh, queerness and being a queer teenager or even, like, a queer adult, and they don't, like, nothing seems to speak to certain elements of your experience, um, I mean, I know when I was sort of questioning whether or not uh, I was non binary and, and trying to figure out some gender stuff, um, it, I mean, not that it's like plentiful today by any means, but it really sucked trying to be like negotiating that middle ground of, well, I don't feel like I fit society's mold of, of what a man should be. Um, I don't necessarily it's the right identifier. Um, but I also know that I don't feel particularly like um, like a woman for, what, for whatever value of what that means. I was 17. Mm-hmm. But trying to find narratives of that that weren't like, I mean, don't get me wrong, Tumblr posts by random non-binary people are like valid. Mm-hmm. But um, like finding pictures of that in media, finding just people, uh, especially since queer history um, pre- the late 90s maybe, um, has been so buried. I mean, I got scared off of sort of looking into queer history by being scared to shit of, uh, of the AIDS crisis um, mm-hmm. as a small town queer who knew nothing better, um, who didn't know, like, anything about it post sort of the 80s. Mm-hmm.
3: Um,
2: and the library I had didn't really have much literature on that in the internet. Uh, I don't think I had anything beyond dial-up until fourteen, fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you look to these representations of people you look to try to find elements of your own experience and yeah I mean it can be I mean like I just remember before really finding grassy, like no kind of like about Will and Grace or like no like queer I was a thing mm-hmm. and being like okay well Good for them,
3: like, right? Uh, no,
2: but like, I like, but none of like, I I wasn't a particularly like. Uh, I mean, I was a teenager. I wasn't like a queer. Adult. Like that's the, that's the bare minimum of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know also like when later characters start showing up that don't match my experience, I was sort of like, hey, can I get Marco back, please? Um,
3: Marco, where are you?
2: Yeah, because I just, I got, I, I also got treated, like, um, again, have come around on Riley a lot, but it uh,
3: mm-hmm.
2: was just like, okay, you're not matching, like, any part of my experience, and this kind of seems not real. <laughs> like, are you a real person? No. Um, in that way that if you are pretty much the only queer person you know, you're going to be like, well, if my experience isn't here, then I, I don't know what I am, <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's like there's not as much of a coziness. Like, I feel like with Marco, there's a coziness to his narrative that I've always really, really liked. But yeah, I agree. Like, you see Riley, you're like, oh, what? Oh, okay. (laughs) But once again, I'm going to have to watch because, like, he comes from a chunk of Degrassi that I've only seen once or twice. So Mm -hmm. we'll see how I feel now. But once again, I'm an adult who has, you know, met a lot more LGBTQ people who, you know have different experiences from mine, so I feel like... But I do remember kind of watching him and being like, mmm, like, I can't relate to him. Uh, where is my sensitive boy? Where is my? Like, you
2: have, like, five people to relate to.
0: Right. <laughs> like,
2: the face of the planet. You're like, well, oh,
0: fuck. Exactly. Sorry, I'm like, Dahlia's being a big baby. I literally keep picking her up and putting her down, and then she wants to come back up. So... If, uh, you hear some jingling jangling, that is why. Um, so I'm, like, holding her in my arms on my shoulder like she's a baby who needs to be burped. Um, anyway, so we end up at the play. Haselakos is the one that I'm seeing. Um, Marco is still, like, rehearsing lines and kind of freaking out. Um, and his dad arrives, and it seems like it's a planned meeting from Marco's end. And Marco is like, Marco is like... Tim is gay, and his dad is super pissed off because, and he uses queer in the not reclaimed way, um, and he's very upset that, 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 you know, Tim was in his, under his roof. Um, and Marco's like, yeah, well, you already have one under your roof. Um... And his dad, in true Italian father fashion, just fucking swerves out of the conversation. And this part, I was like, oh, oh, I know this man. I know him. I am, like, I know exactly who you are. And Marco is, like, super upset about this. Because it is really jarring. It is. Like, the, to, in my case, the the we are not reacting to this extended much longer than Marco's. But the fact that he had it at all, you know, I gotta give De Rossi some props for that. Because if fucking happens, your parent looks you dead in the eye and goes, Mm, okay. And just kind of walks away. Um, and Marco comes onto the stage late for his cue. Um, and Marco makes eye contact with his father, who is sitting in the audience. And then Marco begins um, his part of the scene. Um, they're doing, like, the Alas, poor Yorick part right because he has the skull in his hand
2: look I think they are um and like he definitely does have the skull in his hand so that makes. but also I like <clears> have <throat> read Hamlet like a decent amount and I feel like the that parts of the the speech that was given in the show sorry one second ah! I feel like parts of the uh, the monologue that, that made it into the show are made parts of Hamlet <laughs>
0: Yeah. You
2: know, a a pretty chill move. (laughs) Just like, here are the relevant parts that seem like a little bit relevant to the the plot because uh, he talks about uh, later, like a little later. Like uh, these lips I, that I have touched, and I'm like, oh, if they pick the really gay part from
0: Hamlet, okay. Right, like they were like, mm, let's make sure we have the visual cues that this is definitely Hamlet. Yes, here's a skull, because he also uses like a little kin than kind or something along those lines. Like he, they definitely cherry pick some lines, and you know what? I respect that. I, it's it's a showcase. I respect the hell out of that. <laughs> it's a fucking showcase, and you know what? Shakespeare would be like, yeah, rock on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Marco makes his announcement And Miss Kwan from the back is just like We don't care, say the lines in order I mean, i will definitely be there to support you But say the lines in order
0: Yeah, Quan's like, come on Um, We are at the theater Again, Marco Is doing his performance Which, by the way, man, like, what's the God, just like having a teenage kid Just have to memorize all these fucking lines from Hamlet Sure, fine Um, he, this reminds me, this flash, making me flashback to when I did a school project and learned the Queen Mab speech from Romeo and Juliet, because. Oh,
3: God.
0: I, I really, I was like, man, I'm going to be Mercutio. I'm going to be another gay Mercutio. What up? I got really dedicated. Anyway, neither here nor there. Um, Marco is struggling with like a word and Tim helps him. Um, and then he's just kind of like, fuck it. Okay, he pauses, he walks out into the light, um, and he's like, Yeah, hey, dad, I'm gay. And his dad rushes out of the theater, his mom follows, and Marco just kind of steps back into the role.
2: Okay, but like, honestly, uh, just speaking as someone who did high school acting years, um. <laughs> Harry, if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna, like, take a moment to be, like, extra on stage and, like, totally valid, Marco, I get it. Yeah. Um, He did do, honestly, like, the best thing, which is just get back in, have someone kind of, like, tell you your line and where you were, and then just keep going.
0: Yeah, honestly, he did, because, um, I know, because, like, um, I I have been a director of a musical, of High School Musical Junior, (laughs) um, which is a tie. Um, and, yeah, no, I agree. He does, he's, he's very slick about it. Like, he doesn't really do, because I feel like what ends up happening with younger actors especially is, like, they do, like, the, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and then, like, they're like, uh, this line, I'm sorry. Like, they, they, like, apologize during it, and Marco just kind of trails off, he's given the cue, and he goes back into it. He does do it quite well. Um, and I also like that he kind of steps out, he breaks character, and then he steps back in. And it's like, you know... Good for you, kiddo. Good for you. Like, I-, I feel like it also speaks a lot to his character where you can make the argument that, like, uh, Marco coming out in front of many, many, many people in an auditorium may be a big jump for his character, but he does it in a way that is very Marco. Like, he's still very much himself in spite of doing such a grand thing. And it makes the scene way more captivating for me in that sense because he's clearly like he's still like he is still himself yeah um and i think even the way that he delivers it it's not like he's screaming from the rooftops he's just like hey by the way like dad i'm gay for,
2: for a moment i thought you were just gonna do like that hey i'm hey i'm gay all the year
0: like it was really my tempting. It was
2: really atrocious accent right now, but like.
0: It was really tempting. Oh, don't even! My accent's becoming <laughs> beginning to come out because you were coaxing it out of me. I like. <laughs> I try my best to hide it, but like it's it's coming out right now. I hear it slipping out. Anyway. Um. <laughs> I'll
2: start throwing in yalls there. I'll just I'll let I'll let my voice slip down into like, uh, my good old mountain stuff. Um, I'll just I'll just start talking like this, and then we'll both be fine.
0: Yeah. There we go. Oh my god, I feel like I'm getting more I mean, harsh yeah, the I more I that. hear it. I'm like, Brah! Oh god.
1: Hey, I'm gay. You want some pizzas?
0: That's me. I'm kin with that. That's actually me. Um, <laughs> the plot of the
2: Spider-Man 2, the video game. Peter Parker just be like, hey, I'm gay, you
0: want pizza? <laughs> um, so, uh, the last scene for this plot is Marco coming home. Um, revealing that they didn't win. Um, which I can't imagine why. If I was the judge, I'd be like, fuck yeah, that was true theater. A plus. Um, and dad, his dad is trying to, like, disappear. He's like, oh, I'm tired, I'm gonna go to bed. Um, and Marco asks a question that I think a lot of kids want to ask, but never really do a lot of the time, which is just, like, did you know? And I feel like this is, like, a very real thing that I would love to ask my family. But, like, I really felt that in that moment. Him being like, did you fucking know? Like, did you have any fucking idea? Um, and
2: his line reading on that was so... Like, I think that's the moment I, like, was like, oh, right, this does like, me. Because he's just, like, very... Like, it's, it's, don't get me wrong, it's very firm, but it's, mm-hmm. like, you know? Like, and that's just... It broke me a little bit.
0: hmm No, understandably so. Um, and his dad is like, you know, you're a great kid, you get good grades, you do all this great shit. I don't want to know this part that you are gay. And Marco just kind of snap. and then Marco just snaps and then you don't want to know me. And I actually like this because I think it speaks to the progression of Marco as a character a lot. Because I think with Marco, he was so fearful of this piece of himself at the beginning and i do say peace of himself because there was this resistance and this hesitation toward embracing this peace of himself and having it be integrated to the rest of him and that he didn't want to see it as a part of his identity he was fearful of it and now we see him confident enough to say like no you don't get a you don't get like a wishy-washy experience here if you want to actually have a relationship with me, then you have to embrace this part of me. I'm not gonna play a middle ground type of situation with you. I'm not gonna hide this piece of myself. And I think that's really important to see for LGBTQ viewers um, and I also think it's just good character development we We have seen such a great progression of Marco as a character within this point. We can check you can check in on him in every single like Marco plot about his sexuality. and they all resonate in different ways because they're all different stages of someone's sexuality and their, uh, you know, their acceptance of themselves. And it's really nice to see him be able and confident enough to say that. And I think that speaks to how much personal growth he's really done. Mm. And it's it hurts, but it does. It, it's nice to see how far his character has come because he he's had a characterization. He's had, like, actually a very good arc in a in a world where some characters have gotten kind of wonky. And back on track, but, like, his has been, like, a pretty good, clean arc in many ways. Which I really like.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and his mom tries to reassure him and is like, you know, one day he'll accept you. But Marco is just pissed off. Yeah. And as he should be.
2: Yeah. It, what, a, what a place, I mean, for the episode to end, which I know it has to end on the A-plot, right? But like, right. just like him sitting there with like his rage. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, like, I, I think it's like a powerful moment to end on, but also, uh, um, like it tries to want to be like a little hopeful about it, but then you're just like, uh, I mean, like, uh, Marco and also, I don't know, uh, however you say his name, shit, um, his actor. Um, standing there with
0: gay rage. So, you know. Yeah, it's like, very... I I hesitate to say good. But there's a part of me that likes it if only because Marco is a character who doesn't really get to be angry a lot. He doesn't allow- it's whether he doesn't allow himself to or circumstantially he's not really allowed to be. Um, and I think a lot of LGBTQ characters don't usually get to be angry. Because of the circumstances, I think a lot of the time they have to just be sad. That's that's the extent they can be sad, um, and I don't think we really get to see a character often now, do we? Of course, there's some, but it's it's always nice to see like such a mainstream piece of media have someone be just fucking mad and gay and mad over circumstances relating to it. I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like more and more like yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not happy Marco's going through this, but I like that he is able. He's he is being given the space in this plot to be angry, because he should be. He has every right to be.
3: Absolutely.
0: Like it's it's nice when, uh, like I feel like it's like, I don't know. I always find media that has characters be angry, and totally in the right over their parents to be very important. Hmm. Like, sometimes it is complicated, you're right. Sometimes we have complicated feelings toward our family members, but sometimes we can just be fucking mad. Yeah. And I think that's important to see in teen media. So, what do you rate this episode, Frank?
1: I'm going to give it a a, a B minus. Okay. Too much Peter. (laughs) Um... Yeah, that's me. He too much, Peter.
0: Fair, he drags it down. Yeah. Um, Z, you're functionally a veteran, so I won't demand that you give a rating, but if you would like to, feel free.
2: Uh I mean, I was thinking about it. Um and I I mean, I think I tend to agree like it's solid somewhere in B territory. I don't think it's a B plus. Um I think it's B or below. Um and uh, I, I think Peter, yeah, I think Peter just, and the Emma plot just kind of, like, if this had been paired with something, like, really compelling for a B-plot, or even just, like, goofy, uh, goofy probably would have been bad in a different way, but, like, even just something very, like, standard grassy fare, like, I don't progress, I don't know, who's a character that, like, doesn't have progression all that often, but when they do, it's, like, pretty okay. Oh,
3: it's, yeah. Sorry,
2: who? I did, It just clicked out
3: when you said the name. Alex. Uh, oh, yeah, Alex. Oh,
1: hell yeah. <laughs> Love that character. Love uh, Alex. Uh, you, know, you know what been a good B-plot is just like somebody's trying to ruin the play. Let's say Spinner and Jay, because of course they are. And Alex, <laughs> Again? Alex is just sworeing them at every like turn.
0: Oh my god, that would be really fun. <laughs> like her being like, no, you're not. Ooh. Ooh. Absolutely not.
2: Actually, I, I do have a re I, uh, a rewrite, but like, uh, there's a version of this episode where Peter's more of a dick, and like, just like, uh, like tries to ruin the festival or something, like finding ways to be like cementing himself as terrible, and like the writers don't decide to go like the kind of redemptive route. Uh, and again, I think like him starting off at such like basically rock bottom. Uh, I don't want to see, like, hijinks hijinks. I do want to see him... I mean, I would want to see him being awful and then being forted and, like, embarrassed about it. So, like, Alex sports Peter trying to ruin the, the... I almost said the musical.
0: Um, <laughs> the, the Hamlet. The Hamlet. Alex trying to save the Hamlet.
1: Because, <laughs> like, on this show we do have a long-running... Appreciation of the Alex Marco friendship.
0: Oh, I love the Alex Marco friendship. Oh, it's so beautiful. Blah. Um, let's move on to character rankings. Frank, you can keep it quick, quick, because I know you're sleepy, sleepy.
1: I'm sorry. I know I fell asleep for personal the
0: episode. He's okay. <laughs>
1: um, uh, Emma is just cascading downwards so quickly. I don't. Um, Paige was trying to be a supportive friend, I feel like, in this episode. Craig for fucking getting ready to throw down, like, also bumping up a bunch of spots. Um, Manny for being a cinnamon roll, too pure for this world, gets to bump up a few spots. Um, Tim, I don't really have an opinion on just yet. Marco, uh, will forever be a good boy. Uh, Mr. Del Rossi is just also on the same slip and slide as Peter and Emma. Um and Mrs. Del Rossi, I I can appreciate where she is, but I wish she did more to help her boy. But yeah. I know she's doing as best she can. So she gets to bump up a few spots. Um I think is that it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Where does where does uh,
2: where does snake sit for trying to put on a festival at I guess the last moment? I don't know if this festival has been referenced before.
0: It has not.
1: I don't know. Like he's always <laughs> somewhere in the middle, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So um. so let's move on to recommendations. This is where we recommend things that are related, things that we're enjoying, things that, you know, whatever tickles are fucking fancy and I'm looking at my recommendation and I wrote, here is exactly what I wrote. Fire Emblem Three Houses, parentheses because Dimitri is a far more sympathetic white blonde dude. Fair. Uh, I got, I z is like is donnie always like this ah yes of course (laughs) um my rationale was that um i've recommended a bunch of lgbtq stuff especially with regards toward marco um in the past um i went with three houses because that's how much peter irritated me i'm like think of something you do like, and it's like, I... Go to your it. happy place. Go to your happy place. My therapist is basically, I had three houses be my happy place. It's like, oh, you're in the red zone. Think about Fire Emblem. I was told this. I was like, okay, thank you. I'm glad I pay a lot of money for you every single week to tell me I am allowed to think about Fire Emblem when I'm upset. Uh, so, um, I guess, I don't know. People say Azure Moon is like Hamlet, but it's been so long since I've read Hamlet, I couldn't even tell you if that is a true comparison but uh
2: no no right <laughs> I like can, I, 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 f- I can answer that question very firmly
0: right like i see people say it and i'm like i have not read hamlet in many a moon and i feel like that is not correct but i know a lot of people like saying that is that just like what people like to say about like a tortured royal dude who like everyone has died do they just say every story like that is hamlet
1: Fucking mm-hmm. isn't there that motorcycle show that's like hamlet
0: don't people say like Li- no? Lion King is like Macbeth, apparently, right? Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, go play the Three Lion Houses. King is like what was that?
2: I was just saying Lion King is Hamlet.
0: Lion King is Hamlet. Yeah, sure. It's been so long. Anyway, go play Three Houses if you haven't yet. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. It literally doesn't matter. Um, I don't like Peter. I do like Dimitri. End of my recommendation. <laughs> Z, do you have anything to recommend?
2: I would say now, like the thing is now, I'm like, ooh, should I in like the the LGBTQ wheelhouse, or should I just like try to that? like I like um um I'm like looking at my bookshelf, like
0: I that's what to I do. Something. I do that a lot. Um,
2: uh, I will say, um, I. It, if you are the type to want to see characters who have maybe shitty family situations and then, uh, related vis-a-vis to the sexuality and other reasons, um, and to see them like overcome that, um, the Raven cycle, uh, is pretty good. Mm, mm -hmm. Uh, I'm like halfway through it. Um, and I recently got a kick in the butt to finish it because I mean, like I read fast. I should be able to like read a book, uh, you know, more than once a year. Um, um, I like Adam, uh, who is that character that I'm referring to. Uh, mm-hmm. That's kind of a spoiler, but it's also, like, five years old now, so whatever. Fair enough. Um, yeah. And there's also, like, uh, another series coming that's, like, kind of gay, too, I think. Um, yeah. I don't think I have anything else that is more appropriate. Um, if you like dumb blondes, uh, not to, uh, Dimitri's kind of dumb. I love him, but you know. he he he
0: his his intelligence <laughs> only goes in certain areas.
2: Yeah, no, okay. He's he, he's just like uh, on the like IQ IQ, but like on the the chart, it's just kind of like a star.
0: He's like he's trying. He's trying his his brain is like clam chowder and you know, we just gotta support him.
2: Um if you like really dumb blonde like really dumb blondes, uh I don't know, go Persona 5 the Royal comes out at the end of this month and I hear the 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 stevieish homophobic bits. So <laughs> Frank's I mean, the ex- Huh?
0: Frank is like dancing. He was like standing and dancing when you recommended that.
1: Wait, what, what? did you say about it being homophobic? Oh, it, my mic just got flippy. So what just happened? No, like I'm not. I'm not trying to argue against it being homophobic because I'm at least fucks up a bunch. But like, I'm just. What did you say? Stuff about it makes it homophobic. Oh, uh,
2: I mean, there's just like the it's. By and large not, I will say. Um okay. it's just that there was like fan backlash against uh the like very, very stereotypical like queer dudes that show up and like flirt with uh and steeve on because I like Ryuji's like sixteen and they're like yeah. forty or something. Um I mean playing through it I was kinda I mean the, the original game. yeah, you know, that sucks, but like I mean Persona five is still probably one of my favorite uh games and very i mean like i have like the royal play pre- pre-ordered or whatever so yeah you know At- atlas just remake persona 2 it was very gay and that was great
3: mm-hmm.
2: um anyway though um yeah if you like dumb blondes Ryuji usually uh it's so dumb um but uh i would die for him so you know yeah. there's that
1: he's better than he's better than us gay
2: Oh, we're not getting
1: into that argument. <laughs> yeah. um, do you have anything else?
0: I don't disagree, but...
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You, what are your recommendations, Frank?
1: Uh, well, I'm going to say, if you want a dumb blonde that actually goes on a journey of self-discovery, I'm going to hit my old uh, standby of Persona 4 Golden. <laughs> and our Persona 4 with the wonderful Kanji Tatsumi. Oh, God, the all, b- these,
2: all these men are so much better
0: yeah we're just like we're just like trying to pull from like our well we're like hey consider not Peter consider any of these boys in these scenes instead of Peter consider, he wouldn't be in this mess
1: consider Kanji Tatsumi who loves cute things loves to embroider loves to like make little stuffed animals And at one point, fought an entire motorcycle gang just because they kept his mom up at night. Oh,
0: I love him.
1: He is the best boy.
0: I also feel the need to reveal, I'm imagining Dimitri literally superimposed into this plot, him being like, why are you trying to do this to me? Why are you flirting with me in this way? I don't even know if you're flirting, you just seem really mean.
1: And then at the end, like, he's just like, it doesn't matter if I'm gay or straight, I just don't want to be left alone. He's such a good boy. But, um, but on a a more serious note, uh, I always want to recommend the writings of my friend Samantha Allen. Um, she, uh, the paperback edition of her book Real Queer America has, has come out recently. Oh, hell yes. Um, and also she just wrote a really interesting article about, like, how every story is, every, like, LGBTQ story is about coming out. And, she was like, well, why? where are the stories about people who have already been in relationships for a long time? Like, show me people who are retiring, like, at, like, the end of their lives. Like, I think it was specifically about, like, rom-coms. Like, give me, like, my first queer rom-com. hmm So, uh, but, like, you know, just, like, search her name. I'm sure you'll find her work on Daily Beast and whatnot. She's, a very good writer, um, and Real Queer America, um, and her book, Love and Hormones, are both very good reads. I think I finished both of them in, like, a day. Um, uh, there's something else I wanted what? to recommend. Oh, and also, just because we're still on the subject, uh, read the Wars books. Because, mm-hmm. unlike J.K. Rowling, um... Kay Applegate is a true ally. <laughs> Who like the 1K Applegate talks about her series, she's just like, "Fuck, I wish we thought to put more representation in it." <laughs> and will really admit she felt like she's like, "I could have done so much more with this." So good on you, K Applegate. Mm-hmm. I will forever love you and I am worse.
0: Nice. So, with that s- uh, true. So with that said, Z, you've made it through. Oh, gosh. Are there any wa- I? You did it! Yes you did! Are there <laughs> are there any ways that people can get in touch with you to continue the conversation?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, uh you can follow me on Twitter at I uh, crap, my username's a pain in the ass. Um, it's like it's like uh Deus Xkna, except it's Deus and then X-Man and then Ica from, yeah, uh, it was a very dumb pun and I'm probably just going to change it back to my, um, but yeah, next time I am on a thing, I'll just like spell. (laughs) Um, but yeah, um, if you want to see any of my writing, I have a review going up, uh, well, Wednesday, the fourth, which will be in the past. Um, I review going up uh, of a uh, speculative fiction comic uh, that dropped from Aftershock. Um, I reviewed Wolverine, number one, back when it came out a couple weeks ago, uh, and I'm looking to do uh, a series talking about uh, Hulkling, who's a, a shape-shifting character who's about to try to destroy the Earth, but he probably has a decent reason for it, because he's a good kid. Um and I'm gonna look at like, uh, you know, stuff relating to like gender and like how that character has sort of been always kind of out of the spotlight and what am I mean? And if you like comics, it's kind of my like thing. If you like law, don't talk to me about law. I always have to I have to think about law like nine hours a day. But if you really need to talk about law, I mean, go ahead. Um, it's like it's it's after midnight and my brain. Turning into, I don't know, like, serious XM slow jams, like, go to bed, dumbass.
0: <laughs> it's okay. We This was a long app, but it was a nice conversation to have with you.
2: Um, yeah, no, I super enjoyed uh, talking to you.
0: Yay! Um,
2: enjoyed Marco, as always. Yes,
0: of course. Um, so, if you want to continue the conversation with the show, you can email us at ihopod at gmail.com. Um, you can send us any questions, comments, concerns, or if you're interested in appearing on any shows. Uh, we're pretty fast and loose with this. Z literally was like, oh, this episode sounds interesting. And I went, great. Sure. Um, so please don't hesitate to reach out if any episodes speak to you from this season or if you'd want to make an investment in future seasons. Um, you can contact us on social media, on Facebook, at I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast, and Twitter, at I Hope Pod. Um, Frank, is more in tune with the Facebook account, I'm more in tune with the Twitter account, but one of us will see your messages. Um, you can support the show by donating to our coffee account. Any funds that we gain through those donate uh, those donations go to our tech upgrades or compensating our guests, or you can also leave ratings and reviews. Um, once we hit certain tiers, we give back with extra episodes and a whole bunch of fun stuff, so please, Remember to keep doing that, and thank you everyone who submitted it so far. Um, If you want to keep in touch with me, you can follow me on Twitter at DMIsUnbreakable. I have an article on POMMag, which might be relevant to this discussion, called Making It Through Marco Del Rossi, which is me talking about how much Marco means to me as a person who um, is a part of the LGBTQ community. Um, and if you follow me on Twitter, you will see me talk about the zine project that I'm currently involved in, which is called Cherished, which is a zine dedicated to, to Do and Dimitri from Fire Emblem Three Houses. Um, it's a charity zine. We're raising money for NAMI, uh, which is approved by my therapist as an excellent organization to support uh, people <laughs> going through mental illness and needing support and resources. So, if you're interested, apps are open until March 18th, so please, 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 Either spread the word or um, consider applying. We would love to see your stuff. So that's how you can reach me.
1: Um, I have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk. Uh, This month we're doing all my sister's choices because it's her birthday month. Um, uh, I do other stuff. The links are in the description. I'm sorry. It's very late. I'm very tired.
0: It's true. Frank's going to turn to a pumpkin soon. Um, That being said, though, we hope we can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. See you next week. Later. Bye. (laughs) Bye.